Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 14. Now it should be, if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall you be the offspring of your body, and the produce of the ground, and the offspring of your beast, the increase of your herd, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord shall cause your enemies to rise up against you to be defeated before you. They will come out against you in one way, and will flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing upon you in your barns and all that you put in your hand to, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, as he swore to you. If you give the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, so all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they will be afraid of you. The Lord will make you abound in prosperity and in the offspring of your body and in the offspring of your beast and the produce of the ground in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open for you his good storehouse, the heavens, to give rain to your land and his season and to bless all the work of your hand and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. The Lord will make to you the head and not the tail and you will only be above, and you will not be underneath. If you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I charge to you today, to observe them carefully, and do not turn aside from any of the words which I command you today, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods to serve. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. So uh, we're doing a series on um, Foundations for a Strong Faith. This year is a year of ever-increasing faith uh, for Redeemer Coast and those of us here. And uh, Paul said to the Thessalonians, he was glad to see that they were continuously increasing in their faith and abounding in love. So we are a church that abounds in love and increases in faith. Amen? Amen. And that means for us to be a church, that means we individually abound in love and increase in faith. So we spent a few months talking about what faith is, how it works, the spirit of faith is, I believe, therefore I speak. And now, uh, in praying about what the next series or how we to continue it, I felt very strongly, God tell me, which, is, you know, God tells us something, it, it kind of makes sense. Is that right? Normally, you know. <laughs> and uh, if it doesn't make sense, you need to ask a few more times. And uh, But he said, now you need to give, we need to discuss about good reasons to have faith. We have the book, we have these uh, uh, Foundations for Faith booklets, which uh, they're available for everyone. Have you got yours? Good on you. Praise God. And uh, who's... Yeah, good. Uh, I did have a little bit of a misprint, but it's kind of worked out well in that the, uh, the uh, summary for the uh, sermon was supposed to be on there and there, and there were supposed to be the notes, but it didn't come out that way. But nevertheless... That's good. Saves you reading all of this instead of taking notes. All right. This is this is designed because Jesus said the um, one of the problems with hearing the word is not understanding it. 
and not meditating on it. So this is designed for you to take home, go through these scriptures, look at them, take notes. Um, the one, one point might last a few weeks, so do little notes, look over those scriptures. And that's a form of medication. It is. It's a form of spiritual medication. And, and uh, getting your food and meditating on it. So last week we talked about um, that it pleases God uh, when we exercise faith. And uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that he's a rewarder of those who come to him. And to come to him, we must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those that seek him. This first couple of weeks are quite foundational. We're laying down a foundation. Because sometimes uh, that particular one that God's pleased, it pleases God when we believe him, is because sometimes we get this religious feeling or talk that you, you're twisting God's arm to believe him for something. Or, you know, like uh, God, God's in control of everything, so just let him do it. Whereas God uh, asks us and God delights when we trust in him. Which means there's things that come, we come across in our life that there's obstacles or hurdles or mental, emotional things where we, God expects us to find his promises, to call on him, to ask of him and to speak and believe him. Even when circumstances are different, that pleases God. So it pleases God when we have faith and when we trust him. This uh, second uh, chapter or second point that we're going to make, uh, which is today, uh, is that uh, we are created to rule. We are created to reign. Uh, thank you. Uh, it's actually quite an awesome, uh, very non-religious um, uh, point of view uh, or understanding that we were actually created to rule and reign in our life and on this earth. That's God's design for us. So we read, uh, um, Nicole read very well, thank you. I give you all the long ones, Nicole. You know. <laughs> we, we read uh, about uh, the uh, children of Israel, they've come out of Egypt, they've gone through the desert and they're about to enter the promised land. The promised land uh, is a type, uh, it, was an act, it is an actual promised land, and Israel is occupying part of it now. Uh, but it also was a type or a metaphor or a shadow of our own Christian walk. All right? Now, in the past, uh, the, it's been taught that the promised land was heaven. You know, when I just cross the Jordan and I get to the promised land. But there's not going to be enemies' armies in heaven, you understand? There's not going to be opposition in heaven. Uh, but the promised land, when you go through the waters of baptism and the waters of baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the Jordan River, and you come out into your promised land, you're in the land where God has promised. And he said, I have already given it to you. One problem. And I'm sure Moses and Joshua, and I'm not so much Moses, but Joshua and Caleb had a few conversations to God. Okay, you said this was our land. However, there's all these enemy tribes in there. And that is a picture of our Christian walk. Although our God has promised us things and we are called to take the land, the default is it's our land. We are to walk in victory. There will be and there is opposition. Who knows that that's true? 
<laughs> in your own spiritual walk, all right? That there are obstacles, and they're emotional, they're mental, they're relationship, uh, they're physical sometimes, and they're definitely spiritual. But just because there are those hurdles there doesn't mean God doesn't want you victory over it. In fact, the default position is for God, for us to rule and reign with God over our circumstances. And that's in all the spheres of our life, our emotional, our relationships, our, our physical, our financial, our spiritual. And uh, that's a pretty bold statement, don't you think? That's a pretty bold statement, don't you think? Yes. That it's God's will for us. We were created to rule and reign. Now, you would hope that we would have a few scriptures for that. And uh, so I intend to give you some. And you would hope that there's probably some explanation that needs to go with it. But, but uh, the reason I'm trying to get this across today is because for a longest time, um, religion has taught us when opposition comes or there's hurdles or they just just lay down and just just take it you know close your eyes and think of england now uh, probably not many of you grew up in the 60s did you but you know we used to sing there'll always be an england and england shall be free so we used to you know there's this saying just close your eyes and think of england you know it gets tough you know uh, well, what that meant was we, we, somehow we were taught that it was spiritual just to shut up and take it and to learn how to suffer. And the theology of suffering, there is a theology of suffering, but the theology that says you just have to take what life and the devil gives you and sends you away and just close your eyes and just grimace, God will give you the strength to go through it, and he will, and he wants to, but that that's part of your lot in life is not Bible theology. It's like medieval theology. All right? The children of Israel were to go in and to possess the land. In our life, it's our job to possess the land. And when we, we learn how to do that, we learn how to walk in faith, the mountains come down, the enemy tribes get defeated one by one. And the Bible said, actually, that I didn't give you all at once because you couldn't handle it. He said we had to take it. And in our own life, we, who knows, you get a little bit of victory in this area and you just get victory over that and then you need victory in another area. But you look back after a few years and, and you're walking tall. And, and you've got victory in many areas. This is a theme of, theme of the Bible that we were created to reign. The children of Israel are a, a type of us going in to take the promised land. Themes of the Bible are very important. I was chatting with uh, Linda today and she was talking about something she'd been reading in Matthew, Matthew 22, I think, where um, if I make up this scripture, you just correct me, darling. Matthew 22, right here. I've got to be very careful when Linda's here, not in children's, like I've got to tell the truth. <laughs> I only get to stretch the illustration so far, you know, the elastic's a lot less. But nevertheless, in Matthew 22, uh, the, the scribes and the Pharisees are testing Jesus. Now understand, scribes and Pharisee, Pharisees were very well versed in the Bible. They were scholars. They were theologians. They 
knew their scriptures down to the letter. They'd memorized the first five books of the Bible. They could quote it. They could recite it. They knew the Bible. Right? And yet Jesus said to them, you think you know the scriptures, but you're deceived. So it's possible to know the Bible inside out, upside down, and be deceived. And the reason they were deceived is, is they had missed the main point of the scripture and who we are. That was to do with marriage. All right. And then uh, in your Bible, in your um, blue letter Bible thing, it referred you to Timothy, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, where Paul says to Timothy, he says uh, to stay um Stay, uh, he's glad that he's grown up, but to hold fast to the patterns of scripture that you have been taught. Well, a pattern of scripture, um, that word means a, um, a framework or a mode or a system or a model, a pattern that goes over and over again through the scriptures. And so what Paul, what Paul said to Timothy is that you've actually understood the underlying themes of the Bible. And we need to know these underlying themes to be able to read the fine print. All right, and I've actually, uh, I just put it out to you. I have a little booklet out here which says essential Bible themes and there's seven Bible, about five Bible themes I've done studies on. If you know those seven Bible themes, you'll, you'll be better equipped to actually read the Bible. Interestingly, Paul said to Timothy, don't get caught up with little words. And don't get trapped with people who want to make huge doctrines out of little words. This word means this and this word means that. If you don't understand the themes of the Bible, the whole context of the Bible, you won't be able to interpret those little things. There are the themes of the Bible and this particular thing that we are created to reign, it's like I was, I was actually praying about it this morning on the way he had to describe it. And I felt to say it's like a tide or a river current. This is the way God moves in your life. When God's moving in your life, you have to, have to remember, when an obstacle comes my way, I was created to rule and reign over that obstacle. It was not created to dominate me. I was created to dominate it. I was created to have victory over it. On whatever level you can trust God for, there's lots of different levels. It's not as important to realize whatever you're facing now, you have the victory. Paul said, he wrote, he said, these momentary light afflictions we turn around for a greater weight of glory. He also said, There's, there is nothing that has come against you that is not common to man. He says, Satan, if Satan's oppressing you, he's trying to do the same thing to everyone else. He said, and nothing will come to you which you will not be able to bear, and I will not, God will not provide for you a way out. A lot of double negatives there. Anything that comes against you, God provides a way for escape and a way for victory. So it's this recurrent theme. And, and the image we have is the children of Israel going in and they had to go and they had to fight certain battles and there's opposition. The devil will try and retreat on your life and he'll, he'll, he'll stake particular ground that he thinks he can hold. It might be this... Uh, this thought or emotion about the, how you've been treated or how you've been hurt, or it might be some habit you've had, or it might be, and he'll stake that ground and say, I can defend this ground. And he'll, and he'll 
You're called to have victory over that. We are created. And the reason I've included this in this series is that it's okay to win. (laughs) It's okay to walk in victory. It's okay to overcome. It's okay to do it when others aren't. You know, it's hard to pull someone up when you're on the ground, isn't it? But when you learn how to victory, you can lift people and you can pull them up. And to know that it's not only God's will for you to trust him, it's God's will for you to win. I'm going to say that again. You don't seem excited enough. It's not only God's will for you to believe in him and trust him. It's God's will for you to win, to face life's obstacles and overcome and to give him the glory. And Jesus and the Bible says there, they'll look at you and they'll think, who's your God? And you'll be able to testify like Tiff was testifying this morning about the goodness of God. It's okay to win. You don't have to have a conscience about that. And, of course, we're in the very luxurious place that we actually know that we all win anyway. And even if we fail and stumble a few times, we're like, in the end, we're going to win. All right? Well, as with any themes, it's a few very important parts in the Bible where it's it's emphasized. Uh, It's it's interesting, um, just this week, uh, a very... uh, very famous church, the Saddleback Church. Anyone heard of Saddleback? It's a church of particular denomination, and they got kicked out of their denomination. It's the most successful church in that denomination, and rewritten the, how we do discipleship, you know, um, and uh, purpose-driven church, purpose-driven life. Anyone read any of those things? Purpose-driven life, great book, and that's a mainline evangelical. And they kicked out, um, they kicked out this church because they're ordaining women. And I can understand that, but I think I think they've fallen to the trap of just focusing on in fact the one the one verse which is most critical it's the only time that word is used in the whole of the New Testament, and they've kicked out their major church from on that, and they don't understand the big themes and we had that issue a few times with Pastor Chloe. And so I've written a little book out there, Commending Phoebe. And uh, because I, I had to, I, I, I grew up in the Salvation Army, all right? And we, you know, the women preachers, they were the best preachers. You know, when the husband was up there preaching, oh, no, this is going to be boring. When the wife got up to preach, oh, no, this is going to be exciting. You know, so I had no issue with it. And you know, I, I, I knew, that, you know, the, I'm talking about the big picture here. I knew, I knew that uh, it, in Acts it says that he'll pour out his spirit on the, on the men and the women, and the men and the women will prophesy. It's going to be hard to prophesy if you've got no one to prophesy to. Don't you understand that? All right? And, and so the women will prophesy, and then I understood too in, 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 in some of the, I think it's in Ephesians, where, where some of the verses where the, the churches tried to put down women, a few chapters before he says, now women, when you prophesy. Well, I thought, well, Paul's confused. <laughs> you know, I, I, the reason I'm saying that is because there's a bigger picture. You've got to understand the little verses by the big verses. You've got to understand the little things by the big things. So when we come to find out about how we deal with finances, emotional health, our family, our job, uh, our physical health, 
we need to look the big picture that God has created us to reign. He's created us to win. And that doesn't mean there's not going to be obstacles in the way. It just means we don't lie down and let them run over us. Hallelujah. And if they are overwhelming, he will give us strength. And it's all by grace. In the end, it doesn't really matter because we're all going to heaven. We're all going to walk in victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there's no judgment on anyone because we've all got different foundations and different levels we're coming from. But whatever you want to have victory over your life, you can have it. Thank you, sir. In Genesis 1, 26, I think I've got it here, but it doesn't really matter. It's good to, we're going to look at the beginning and then we're going to look at the end and then we're going to look at the middle and then I'm going to tell a few stories if I've got time to show you that this idea, this is a reason we can have faith. We're going to talk about the name of Jesus. We're going to talk about the authority of the believer. We're going to talk about the covenants of God. We're going to talk about the promises of God. We're going to talk about authority over Satan and different levels. All those things are coming up that we've got to understand. All those things are based on one, God wants us to trust him, and two, he wants us to rule and reign over life. And it started that way. Because in Genesis, he created Adam and Eve. He said, you're good looking people. And I think we've inherited a lot of those genes. He did. He said, he looked at them. He said, well, they're good looking. And they left. There's not actually a word in Hebrew for looking. They don't have looking. But they have good. So you can read where it says he looked at them. He looked at them and they were good. So I can take that, don't you think, to say I'm good looking. Christians are good looking. He looked at them and said, they're good looking. I think that we can do that, really. Because it says he looked at them and said they were good I should put out a version of the Bible that says that. Adam and Eve were good looking. They were good to look at. I think that's scriptural. I've got a new theology here. You write that down. God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them have dominion. At the beginning. It means there's going to be things that happen on the earth that they're going to have to take control of and order. The Holy Spirit walked, moved into the face of the earth when it was chaos and he created order and he created beauty. And the Holy Spirit will do that in our lives where there's chaos and confusion. He comes in and creates order and beauty. So they were told to have dominion over everything else that was created. They were to rule and reign. Now, provisos. I love provisos. Everyone love provisos? Provisos, qualifications. In these times, and even in today, uh, they, there would be, for example, there was the emperor over the whole of the Roman Empire, and then there were sub-kings and sub-rulers that were given a particular region to rule over. All right, And the Bible talks about levels of authority that we have. You do not have authority over other people's will. All right? Uh, you cannot look at those of you that are single. Put your hands up. No, just joking. You cannot look around and say, I'm going to choose that person, Mark 11, 22, 23. I said, I'm going to call that person in as my wife or my husband. Sorry, Chris, he can't do it. <laughs> Keep praying. All right, because we do not have control over these other people. There are areas that we have dominion. Our household, my family, my kids. There are areas that we have dominion over. All right? And so the emperor had, and then they'd have a king of Judea, and they'd have those various kings. 
And so the earth was to be a temple of God, his temple. We were to be priests and kings, and what we were to do was to give glory to him. All right? Hallelujah. And it actually, one of those things was uh, glory to him. It says in Deuteronomy that you're the head, not the tail. It's interesting, the head, not the tail, that's an expression that comes after you will, uh, you will loan to many and borrow from none. In, it's very different these days. You can look at these things in context because not many of us have cows. Is that right? It says, blessed shall be the cows of your field. All right, so I'm just out on that blessing. All right, all right. But to give means when you borrowed to someone, they were indebted to you and it could be with their life. All right. So it says you, other people will be indebted to your servitude. You won't be indebted to serve others. All right. And we can, and we, you know, the devil will try and put you under servitude. He'll try and give you a guilt conscience. Other people, ever know that people try and manipulate you with a good guilt conscience? They're trying to put you under servitude. But God has given us escape from that because He said there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we can't, we, they can't put us under a guilt conscience to have servitude. So he gave them dominion within the, all of this is within his promise, within his realm, within his kingdom to do his will. Understand that? As soon as you step out of that side of that, the Bible says you go the way of the devil. All right? So that's proviso. So thank you for that proviso. Thank you very much. So we find that in Genesis. Well, if it's happened in Genesis, I wonder what it is in Revelations. So I think I skipped one side here, but we'll go to Revelation, Revelation 5. So in the beginning, we had dominion. All right. Skip over to Revelation, Revelations 5, 9 and 10. Got your little Bibles. Praise God. Got your little notepads ready. Praise God. And Revelations 5, 19 says we will get to see what his will for us is when Christ comes to reign on, on, on the earth with us what is his will for us with regards to to reigning reigning means there's going to be things we're in control of or things we can manage and look after and order according to his will uh, it was his will for adam what's it going to be his will oh you snuck that in there didn't you that's all right they sang a new song saying worthy are you to take the book and break its seals jesus sitting on the throne is the only one worthy to open up the revelation of God. All right. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood. You brought, you brought men and women from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be kingdom of priests to our God, to be a kingdom with Jesus ruling priests. We're ministering to him and we will be reigning on the earth when we die and go to heaven and more to the point uh, when the lord returns we probably won't have wings on the back of ash we don't become angels all right now i thought for the longest time abby was an angel but eric tells me that's just the shoulder blades <laughs> i thought they were wings all right but the bible says we will rule angels all right and we will reign on the earth. 
Uh, it's interesting, and we're with Bible College, they, uh, one of the lecturers said, probably, uh, you know, when you die, when the Lord returns, uh, you, where you are at that time is where you'll be reigning on earth, which is why I moved to the Sunshine Coast. <laughs> you know, I remember I had a South African lady I met at um, a Christian school, and she had been a They'd been in high, and they're still in high business. The husband flies all over the world to New York. So she said, we've lived in Rome, we've lived in New York, we've lived in London. I said, well, why are you living here on the Sunshine Coast? And she said, Grant, this is the best place in the world. Yeah. Her voice was a little bit higher than that. So we'll rule and reign on the earth. Well, that's what we will be. What are we supposed to be now? Don't go there yet. What are we supposed to be now? Uh, just the big picture of things we need to understand. When Christ, Jesus walked on the earth, he walked as a man. Now, he was God, but Colossians said he put, and he is God, and, uh, but he set aside everything which made him God. Well, actually the things that differentiated him from man. So the, his ability to know everything. Jesus didn't know everything on the earth. He saw some things and learned some things through the Holy Spirit. He, and, and we can have that same gift. All right? But he walked as a man. You could say that, and that's why he called himself Son of Man. And the, the, the amazing thing is that God became man, and that man stayed God. Now, we're not God, us. All right? We are God's little G. In that we rule and reign, but we're not capital G God. But Jesus, uh, Jesus was very much the person that we were all designed to be. The way he walked in love, the way he received the Holy Spirit, the way he was a blessing wherever he went. Did he not always expect his disciples to do that? Did he not? So in many ways, Jesus was what Adam was supposed to be. But when he rose from the dead, he was different. The authority that he had when he rose from the death has, and the name that was then given to him has been given to us. So who we are now in our, our little area of dominion, a <laughs> little area that God's given us to manage, is who Jesus is now. Now you're looking at me, some people are going, doop, 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 doop. Um, John, the apostle John says, what we're going to look like, we're not quite sure, but we will look like him because we'll see him face to face. And then he says, uh, as he is, so are we now. Now that should tilt us. But all it's saying is that his authority, his reign, his mission, are we not here to work out his kingdom on the earth? Are we not here to work out his lordship on the earth, in our lives, in our family? And so his will for us is to reign, to dominate over the devil, to dominate oppression, depression, and, and not to let those things lord us. 
over us. And they lord us over in many different ways. And, and you know, take your pick. Your emotions. You know, your, 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 your mental health. All these things. The view you have on of yourself. You know, we, we walk into the view we have of ourselves. If we could just have the view we have of ourselves that God has of us, we'd walk tall. We're beautiful. The word grace means beauty. He thought you were gorgeous. That's why he saved you. He didn't save no ugly people. You ever notice that? Look around. They're all good looking. It actually literally means God thinks you're gorgeous. That's why he saved you. Grace means pretty. It does. It means you're pretty. It means you've got, it, it means that's basically all you're good at is just looking good. <laughs> and all we could do for being saved is just look good. Hey, God, I may have failed in every area of my life, but I look good, baby. <laughs> I'm good in your eyes. I'm good looking in your eyes. And so he gives us unmerited faith because he thinks, you know, we are the, you know, that, that little pesky kid that was the teacher's favorite? You know that one? That's us. <laughs> We're his favorite, you know, like John, the impossible John. <laughs> was it three or four times he said, John? That Jesus' favorite disciple. <laughs> we can do that. We're real to, we're created to rule and reign. Well, you'd think that you'd want to see a, a, a verse in the New Testament, wouldn't you? But if you're going to be that audacious when the devil comes, you may go, no, 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 devil, I'm ruling and reigning my life under Christ. They'd want to be a, you'd think there would be a verse, wouldn't you? You would hope there would be. Otherwise, we might just be making it. I know Chrissy, she goes home and she checks all these scriptures. <laughs> Romans 5, middle of Romans. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one person, that's Adam, how much more, how much more, how much more will those who receive the abundance of his grace, that's for those of us that are very good looking, not ordinary good looking, Abundance of grace, that means he's got more grace than we could possibly do. You know, if you've sinned and you've fallen, his grace is higher. It's greater. It's bigger. All right? And, and when we receive the abundance of his grace, provisos. It's always provisos in the back in the Bible. We're to receive the abundance of his grace, the free gift of righteousness shall reign in life through Jesus Christ, the Amplified, in the way translation says, they shall reign as kings in life. It is God's will for us, guys, to be victorious in every sphere of our life. There's no condemnation when we're not, because we've got to understand grace, you understand. All right? When I was... Um, Probably in the early 90s, so Lynn and I had been married for a little while. And it's been musicians half this church. <laughs> uh, and there'd been, a, uh, there'd been about a month or so we hadn't been to church, maybe six weeks. And I'd never gone through life when I hadn't gone to church we just, uh, for that period of time. And so uh, Lynn and I made a decision, obviously, we're not going to live life like this. We're going to go to church. Or if church was open, I was there, you understand. So we went and we paid our tithes and all that sort of stuff and did all the things that we knew we should do. Get fellowship, sit under the word and 
we both needed a new job. Linda applied for a job and I applied for a job and we both got jobs that we felt that we were well underqualified, like the tits testimony there, well underqualified for this job. My job that I got, I applied for a job as a PE teacher <laughs> in, in probably the, the most elite, the most uh, expensive uh, um, uh, church school in the ACT. Uh, I had done a couple of weeks PE as a primary school teacher and, you know, I sort of coached a little bit of that, so I just made that look big on my resume, you know. And uh, I got interviewed for this job and, and uh, I got this job as a PE teacher at this college, an Anglican college, which is the elite college. And I'm like, praise God. That's just your first step of victory. Because it's God's will for us to trust him, to believe him, and to rule and reign over our circumstances. One of the first things we've got to learn to rule and reign, guys, is our thoughts and our emotions. We're going to speak to those and say, that, I got, you've got no right to be here. Yeah. All right? And the fears. Who knows you've got to dominate fear? We need to practice being scary to fear. Fear comes our way, you go, scare it back. I got you, brother. I got your name. It's under the blood. So I, I, I walked into this job as a PE teacher. The head of PE a few weeks later said, Grant, said, we like you, you're doing a great job, but we're just amazed you got this job. Well, how knows that's a vote of confidence. <laughs> Why are you amazed you got this job? Well, we had all these really qualified. They had the head of PE and sport at Canberra Grammar, which is, you know, for those of you know, it's one of those elite. He applied for the job and you got it. God will make you the head, not the tail. If you believe him, those poor sucker unbel unbelievers are going to come under you. All right? And um, so I got this job. And, and then 18 months later, a little while later, they said, Grant, we'd like you to apply for... A... I was only in my late 20s, probably 28, 29. I got married, I was 24. You were 36? <laughs> no. And so they said to me, Grant, we'd like to apply for this job. So uh, th this elite school, uh, they, I, I became a, a coordinator, a year coordinator in this elite school and overstepping all these people. And it's like Daniel, you know, Daniel just got promoted. We need to trust God to get promoted. All right. Joseph got promoted. It doesn't matter where you start. It matters the direction you're going, doesn't it? Amen. The bottom is a very propitious place. Because you can only go up from there. Okay, devil, I've hit rock bottom. That's it. I'm just going up. And then it was about two years later, they, they called me and I thought, oh, what this? They asked me if I'd be principal of their new school, which is a new primary school. I was not yet 30. I'm just saying that because we're called to be the head, not the tail. To walk in love, to be humble. And to understand that when we trust God to get over life's trials, he'll, he'll, he'll take us through it. We can speak his promises. You know, you can speak to your mind. You can speak to your mind. Your mind is your soul. That's where your torment happens and the fear and oppression happens. And you know, you know that you know that's not God's will for you, right? Yeah. So you speak to it. 
He's saying, mind, you get in line. And you read the Bible and you sing the songs and your mind will get in the line. Might take a day or two or a week. And you can speak to demons. You can say, that's demonic. You take your hands off my family and my mind. You take it off. I've got authority over you. We were created to rule and to reign under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and we're these little lords and kings under him with our area of dominion, our life, our family, our job, the people we meet, we bring the kingdom of God there. We cast light, we speak good, we trust him, and the kingdom of God comes to pass. Praise God.